Hello, this is the One Fish podcast for people building high trust, self-responsible cultures which move fast and are genuinely uplifting places to work. I'm Carrie Beddingfield, I'm the founder of One Fish Two Fish, and in this podcast I will be in conversation with my One Fish colleagues and our extended team to bring the concepts we use every day in our work into focus, from self-organising to agile meetings and from culture hacking to beauty and business. watching the One Fish Comms webinar series, On the Horizon. I'm your host, Carrie Beddingfield, and in this series, we bring you new ways of thinking and doing that are making an entrance to your world as a leader of a changing world. With me today is Alan Moore, author, speaker, disruptor, difficult question asker, and crafter, craftsman of beautiful businesses. Alan's work on beauty in business has been described as dangerous, restorative, disruptive, gentle, difficult, visionary, disciplined, empathetic. Alan, welcome. Thank you very much, Carrie. It's um, great to be on the show with you. Alan, you talk a language that most business leaders will never have heard or used. You talk about beautiful businesses, ugly decisions, what do you mean by this? Well, I think that um, you know, on the back of uh, writing um, and publishing Do Design, Why Beauty is Key to Everything, um, this journey into thinking about how and why businesses exist um, and the, their role, in a sense, has been perhaps misunderstood um, in the last sort of 30 years or so in that beauty um, is actually the sort of foundational um, building blocks for life. It's the DNA. Um, And so therefore beauty gets more beauty. Beauty is restorative. Um, uh, A beautiful world is regenerative. That's how our cosmos and our universe works. And so therefore to me, the idea of a beautiful business is one that actually um, is there to deliver um, a form of sort of restoration, I suppose, of the world that we live in, which is very different, obviously, to, you know, the factory model of extraction um, and profit generation at all and and every cost. Uh, and, And so in a way, that's kind of where I've sort of evolved and developed that idea of if we use the language of beauty uh, in business, it changes the way we see the world and it changes the way, in, in fact, I think we see our role in that world. And I think it's time for businesses to step up um, and to perhaps bring a little bit more beauty into this world. That's how I see it. So thinking about the word beauty, you say that beauty is the DNA of, of life itself. Can you say more about that? What, why? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, there's a guy called Frank Vilcek and he wrote a book called The Most Beautiful Question. And the most beautiful question is, is the world a work of art? And in this book, and he's a Nobel Prize winning scientist, so I think he knows what he's talking about, you know, talks about all the laws of the universe. Um, Einstein's law of relativity, uh, Dirac's law of how particles interact and relate with each other, are uh, all said to be beautiful. That the, the very literally, the way that, uh, even if you look at the, the maths of it, 
um, there's a form of beauty in in all of that. And so therefore, um, literally at an, at an atomic level, uh, the way that this world is built is built uh, upon a need for uh, a world that is symmetrical and harmonious. And obviously for us as, as human beings, um, we instinctively know if someone really turns up to talk about beauty, um, they are drawn to it because they know that although it, to some degree it still feels a little bit mysterious, they know whether that's in terms of relationships, truth, uh, decision-making, uh, looking at the natural world, that they understand that beauty is a key component of uh, a life that's worthwhile having. And when, when you talk about this, so I've got my eyes closed at the moment, so I'm trying to listen, <laughs> listen to your words in a way I haven't heard them before. I feel a sort of excited feeling in the, in, in the pit of my stomach. And it's almost like as a human being, I understand this concept at a deep level. I'm just not allowed to think or talk about it very much in my real working life. Is, what's your experience of introducing the concept of beauty to people at work? Well, that's been really interesting because um, <clears throat> uh, the again, I think that if people genuinely feel that you're turning up to talk about to talk about beauty as a frame and a lens, and then actually about its application, um, how we are as people. So I talk about better human, better leader, better maker. Um, they are they're very open to listen and and there's a lot of lean forward uh and i think that you know i found a way of telling that story which is explaining that you know there is this incredible beauty in in the universe and the cosmos um but it really comes right down to us as human beings about how we are inside and how we interrelate to each other how we interrelate with the world and then talking about actually uh this language in terms of its application of businesses. So I have examples of businesses that I would describe to be beautiful and there's some principles around them which I believe to be beautiful. But what I also do is I refuse to separate that from our responsibility and actions and accountability as human beings because we are human beings first and foremost. And um, the other word that I talk about is craft. So the craftsman is heart, hand and mind. And this is how I think that work should be as you know and for a lot of people out there that's not how work is for a lot of people but i think that that's how it should be and so i think the on the basis that they believe your commitment is authentic um and the there's actually there's something there's a there's a great line by um uh, emerson waldo emerson the american philosopher and he says you know, beauty gets us out of surfaces and into the foundations of things, you know, back to this idea of the DNA and building blocks of, of, of our world. And <clears throat> what I've discovered is, is that in stepping up and being very honest about it and committed to it, I think being able to articulate it uh, very well, it does one or two things to people. It makes them think about their roles and responsibilities uh, as individuals, but also then within the context of the work and the businesses that they they lead and run. And I think the language is really important. So if you ask the question, what is the language of a beautiful business? And you run that as a form of symposia, or you run that as a, you know, as a form of, of, of workshopping, 
what happens is that some people realize that they're being trapped by the language that they use on a day-to-day basis because it limits their beliefs and it limits their thoughts and it limits then their ability to maybe think about their businesses in a different type of way. And can you give them some examples of, of those language patterns? Well, yeah, you know, so um, <clears throat> let's say um, you're in the boardroom and you're, you know, faced with uh, a, a really difficult decision. Um, the, you know, the company's under pressure. Um, uh, things aren't going well. So something needs to happen. Um, and we could use VW as an example that, you know, were caught out with industrial lying about, um, you know, the emissions of their cars. A uh, decision was made to, to lie on the basis of meeting short-term goals, but the damage to the, uh, the reputation of that business has been quite damaging. Um, the, but, so you're in the boardroom and someone's some, some saying, look, you know, we need to do this. And actually everyone knows that that, that, that sort of ask in a way is, is dishonest, it's untruthful, it's breaking the law, it could be even criminal. And someone asks the question, is that the most beautiful decision we can make? And everyone would understand, literally by asking that question, what that really meant. Mm. And, and I think that um, that, to me, would be one example. Beauty, in that sense, is hard won. It's not, um, you know, it's, it's not a kind of easy uh, sort of loveliness, if you, if, you, if you want to put it that way. You know, it's not just about a form of aesthetics. It's, it's really deeply values-based. And I think that there's a lot of evidence now that says that, you know, companies that are driven on purpose and are really built around values uh, are far more likely to be resilient uh, and profitable over the long term than those that actually prefer to go down the route of ugly, as, as I can see it. You know, I mean, look at, look at Philip Green, the billionaire, you know, look at what he's done to, you know, his businesses, um, all for personal gain and greed and how many people have suffered as a consequence of that. And that, to me, is pretty ugly, quite, quite frankly. Mm. So most, most people listening to this would think, well, you know, uh, our CEO is not Philip Green. Our organisation is, is not VW. We're not lying. Not, we're not the best company in the world. You know, we're, but, but, you know, company's got to make a profit. <laughs> company's got to work. And I, I'm imagining in, in that boardroom, you know, that there's a suggestion of something we might do next that may discredit or, or dishonor one of the values that we we say we hold as an organization someone says well is that the most beautiful decision we can make and that's quickly kind of followed up with well unfortunately we're not in a beautiful this is not a beautiful world we need to make a profit you know we're not in a position to make those decisions that that kind of decision right now mm. and quickly that would be washed away should it even be raised so where and the justification being well we're not the worst company in the world and we're not the best but we're just a regular company so what are you saying to those organizations um well everybody's got a choice um it's just that i've seen so many businesses destroyed through um the willingness to to pursue you know profit as i say at all in any cost and not to be open and to not to listen and to not to think about the long term and of course in a, in a way you know you might say it's not then individuals so the problem is is a systemic problem 
but reality is is that you're all contributing to the world around us no matter what what it is that you that you do and i think that um you know putting people on zero hour contracts um gig economy um you know this sharing economy which is you know one of the worst terms i think people can use because it's absolutely not about sharing at all it's about exploitation and i would just say simply that's just not acceptable um uh, and that to me is just where i where i stand on those on those matters and i think that it if you i would also say that if you go back and you really think about <clears throat> how your business is working um, and why it's working the way it does could you actually make your business more beautiful and by making it more beautiful um, and by that I mean uh, your purpose your mission your products and services the experiences you create for your customers um, and also actually the workplace culture that you you, you have um, surely it would be better to, to create all of those things together which are vibrant um and life enhancing rather than feeling that somehow or other this is a bit of a drudge yeah the only, the only benefit at the end of the day is you know um a little bit more profit because it comes back to the question of why are you in business so so let's let me let me clarify with you what what we mean what beauty gives us so we none of us want to make ugly decisions and i think the consequence of very ugly decisions is is obvious to everybody mm. what does a beautiful decision give a business um i think it, it gives um i would have thought a sense of clarity um i think um and the, there's also a relationship between truth and beauty there's keats that said you know there's truth in beauty and beauty and truth and that's all you need to know but I think actually a beautiful decision, uh, you know, sets you on a good path uh, with, with the potential of a good outcome. Now, getting to that outcome may be harder, uh, perhaps, so you need a bit of perseverance. But I think that also it's a way in which I would have thought, um, you know, the C-suite, uh, but even the greater workforce, uh, all of the employees, all of the stakeholders, would, would feel that actually uh, this company was committed to something really worthwhile having. Um, and I think that that's, you know, human beings all respond to a higher order purpose when I think it's actually in service to delivering something better for this world. And I, and I, and I, I can, I can sense that there would be some cynics groaning in the room here. You, you know, it's, it's back to this either or, but actually the world is like this, it's and, and, and quite mm. clearly from a millennial generation, um, you know, millennials want the cool thing and the right thing. Um, mm. I think if you look at the evolution of business at the moment where traceability and transparency is becoming increasingly more important, um, and a world actually that is, is shifting its value. So on the one hand, you know, we've got the likes of say Trump and Orban, uh, the rise of popularism, you know, uh, Brexit here in, in the UK, which is, which is kind of, you know, has got a bit of a sort of a particular kind of ugly nature to it all. And you have to ask, why is that? Um, um, but underneath that, there's a whole kind of wave of, of you know, 
kids that kind of know that they won't have a house and they won't have a mortgage and they won't have a job for life. And they know that, you know, we've left the world in a worse place than, uh, you know, we found it in. And they're saying, this is not how we want things to be. Um, and I think businesses need to be aware of that, of that fact too. Um, and ultimately, you know, businesses are society and society is business. Then I can't understand this idea that somehow or other that they are different from each other. And so therefore you have, I think, a duty uh, to actually contribute something positive um, to the world that you're, you're living in. And this concept of purpose-led business is is experiencing a huge renaissance at the moment it's not it's not new no um and 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 we are the tide is already turning very much so on um pure profit-led business or the idea that oh well that's just business you know bad things happen in business Mm. um and you talk about um, viewing organisations or connecting organisations to their um, true purpose, talk about transparency, mission, values, and so on. Um, many other, many organisations already know about all of that. What is it that beauty, the concept of beauty, allows us to do, see, experience differently? What does it add to what we already know about purpose, mission, values? Well, I mean, I suppose. Um... I think it's uh, I think that you are I think I think it's back to this idea of of restorative and regenerative Um, I think it also relates to experience and the quality of um, things that you you bring into this into this world um and in fact actually uh i was talking to someone recently and they said to me well you know it sounds to me like beauty is the ultimate metric which i mm-hmm. thought was actually rather was was actually rather nice and i think it's about seeing things as a whole you know um and maybe even right down then into the supply chain and into the manufacturing so um how do we how do we manufacture so if you look at like a company like interface for example which you know is the uh, tessellating carpet tile manufacturer who were really a you know fortune 100 company but their founder at the time ray anderson who's dead now but had this vision that you know he no longer wanted to run a successful profitable business that was actually being extractive of uh you know resources um you know finite resources from the world and actually not being able to um you know get rid of them either or to recycle them that actually they were just bringing harmful things into the world so you know he went out on the campaign to create a sustainable business by 2020 and gene van arkel who's the uh, head of sustainable development uh, of interface now talks about the fact that you know, they've now moved the mountain and their goal is to be a fully restorative business, you know, uh, within the next decade. And to me, that's a really, that's beautiful, you know, in the whole, the whole thing, you know, um, what you make, how you make it, where you take your resources from. Of course, I mean, there are big issues here. I mean, even if you look at, say, batteries, for example, um, you know, you're, you're looking at rare earth materials, but there is a process in terms of, 
um, saying, well, can we build our business to, to create materials which are about extracting CO2 out of the air? You know, is there a way of um, creating, you know, businesses which are, um, you know, healing our workforce, healing our world, um, you know, giving joy to our customers um, in, in a way that perhaps you wouldn't do if we weren't really focused on this idea of, um, you know, delivering beauty in all that we do. And as, as you're uh, sort of, uh, as you're exploring and help, helping me understand the way that beauty connects to what we already know about purpose and meaning and, and so on at work, my reflection is that though, though I think most people in business and most organizations are on some they're on some stage of the maturity curve of of understanding that um businesses are not purely about they're not purely profit generators and that there is a far bigger agenda which create which ultimately is cycled in with profit and creates is future sustainable profit mm. um, but that a lot of the stuff we see in businesses in service of purpose and values and mission still really feels like here's a different way to make more profit. Yeah. Let's use that to make more profit. Whereas using the lens of beauty as something that humans innately understand, and I can feel it in my own tummy, my body knows what beauty looks and sounds and feels like, um, that that is a shortcut to allow us to tap into to what we innately, our birthright, <laughs> what we innately know about. Yeah beauty yeah yeah and i think every human being knows it you know mm -hmm. every human being knows it and i just know that as i say from the talks i've given with the symposia that we've run and we've worked with 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 um you know a whole range of different businesses and things helping them explore this language um you know um gets them to uh really start to see that maybe there is you know the, back to that idea that we're limiting ourselves and our potential by um by not embracing these ideas or concepts uh and this and this language you know um and that that to me is uh is critical right now i think we need more beautiful leaders and makers in this world people that actually want to bring in more beautiful businesses um, and, and that are innovative, um, they're important. There's a, something else, I think, which is relevant to this, which was um, <clears throat> someone asked me, so um, they sat there with their arms folded and went, well, you know, what can beauty give the world of sustainability? And um, I said, well, you know, uh, I'm a musician, I play guitar and I can play what is called a sustaining note. But the reality is I can't hold it forever. And sustainability feels to me really like I'm hanging on by my fingernails. Now, I said, now I'm a fully signed up member to, um, you know, the sustainable development goals. I'm a fully signed up member in, in terms of all of that. I said, but for a lot of people, the whole language and jargon around sustainability feels a little bit, you know, um, uh, you know, sort of um, hair, shirt and ashes. Um, is a bit moralistic. Um, it doesn't feel very exciting and it certainly doesn't feel very joyful. And I said, you know, the, the language and the lens of beauty offers us an optimistic vision of the world. We instinctively know it. Um, and I said, that is where I think, you know, beauty takes us beyond sustainability. 
Um, and it, it uses another word, which I think is very important. And that word is joyful. This world, beauty is, is, is joyful by its very nature. You know, um, you don't see Darth Vader kind of smiling very much, do you? Um, and, um, and so I think that, that that also is kind of a key part of the language um, of, of, what, of what beauty gives us. And how are organisations applying this concept lens of beauty? What, what are people asking you to do with them? Well, uh, at the moment, they're, they're saying, well, could you help us? Please, would you come in and, you know, help us think about how our business could be more beautiful? Um, you know, in the first part, there's this, this thing about language. Um, and I think that we break it down into why beauty? So let's take you on a journey so you can see yourself and your organization through the lens of beauty um and i think there's in part there's a really important part of reintegrating with with our natural world of seeing that we're an integral part of it and of course you know um we've we've had a technology fetish a digital technology fetish for quite some time now and some people think that tech will save the world um, um there's no doubt that it, it plays an important role, but we need to kind of reconnect to some of these things. So I think there's why beauty. Um, and I think that's a quite an immersive and expansive journey. Um, the second part is how do we become a better human? Because I think beauty really re relates to our own individual path and journey. Um, and what does that mean? Because that relates to better leader. If you can be a better human, you can be a better leader. Um, how do you lead beautifully? What would a beautiful leader look like? How would they make decisions? How would they engage with their with their organization? How would that perhaps enable them to make choices which previously to them would have seemed to be unthinkable, but in the light of understanding this idea of beautiful leadership, um, they are able now to take their business in a direction um, and their shareholders in a direction which previously would have seen anathema to them. And then the last bit is better maker, because as you know, I mean, I, you know, I was trained as a designer um, and I had a long history of, uh, you know, starting off, uh, you know, designing books, um, moving into sort of, you know, marketing, advertising, products and services, and ultimately designing digital businesses and things. Um, and so better maker is also very important to me. How do we really think about what world we're trying to create through the products and the services that we deliver? And to me, they are all integral in helping businesses kind of then understand that it is possible to be profitable um, because we all agree that, you know, if you are making a profit, then actually you're not able to build your business. You're not able to um, regenerate itself uh, to bringing better people, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's important. Um, but actually there's now there's a, there's a whole kind of um, a way of working and organizing and being where you're saying actually now that is really helping us shape our future development and strategy and roadmap or addressing issues that we are currently facing 
um, where uh, the old sort of siloed approach to this actually wasn't really helping us, but driving us into a zero sum game, which is where I think actually a lot of, you know, a lot of where the gig economy, zero hour contracts, the optimization of businesses in their current design leads them down a path to which, you know, it doesn't look too good for them really, I think. And how would you scale up that kind of approach? I can imagine you, you might have a, a leader or a team or, you know, so, someone who really gets it and starts to, uh, to use it or, or, or even a very visionary CEO. But mm. how on earth would you cre- create beauty at scale in, in a large corporate? Um, I mean, I think that it, it all comes back to um, being very clear then about, um, you know what your what your purpose is um, as a business. I think that there's a way of uh, you know company culture then is extremely important in terms of how it incul- inculcates you know or inculcates uh, people into the business. Um, so they're very clear about uh, what that means to them and how they operate. Um, you know one of the things that um, they understand is is that running a business on fear is not the best is not a beautiful way to run a business right um, you know how does empathy uh, you know scale and I think that's just that's just done through you know really demonstrating um, how that how that works i mean we have a program in which we're you know we're looking to you know bring people you know through this sort of you know why beauty human leader maker um, we can take you know groups of people on that on that journey uh, and obviously then they are the ones that will become the leaders to actually know how to you know put that and build that into their into their business got it and and i can see how adding the language of beauty or, or even just that question you you posed is this the most beautiful decision we can make yeah what would be beautiful in this situation i can see how the addition of that could be could be very powerful and mm. um, beyond that what else can your approach to beauty offer that gives people um, beyond the kind of mindset shift that offers yeah. tools or ways to look at things like the cost of a journey yeah. or a, even something like an uh, an electronic interface or an app design. Yeah. What is yeah. what does it look like in practice? Well, that's why. So you know, for me, there's this um, um, the matrix that we've built. Uh, you know, beauty craft design, which is really what you're talking about now. As I say, you know, I I've spent a lifetime. Um, you know, the best part of twenty five years and some. You know, having worked on. Um, some amazing projects um, and pioneering some interesting businesses. You know, I've worked as a, as an entrepreneur at the cutting face of, uh, you know, these things. And so that therefore bringing in that design, that design principle, um, you know, I say everything man made in this world is designed, right? So we had this opportunity to make it meaningful and valuable um, and really helping people understand how design uh, plays a critical role in every customer touch point um, that there is and ensuring that you help them navigate 
um, through that journey that you are delivering at, at all points something which is memorable and joyful because what we do know is is that when people have that experience they are they are something like 12 times more likely to buy and six times more likely to recommend to a friend and five times more likely to forgive a mistake and so design to me is the is the other so beauty is the lens design in part is the application um and um you know i think in the in the in the book i talk about uh, an axe company called granville's brook um and they say they make the best axes in the world and their story is amazing um in that the, they were going out of business demoralized workforce and actually they really looked at um, and their products weren't that great. And so he said, we are just going to make the best axis in the world. Very simple materials. Um, and he's turned that business around by the sheer fact of, um, you know, developing a superior product. Um, on the other side of it is uh, I was, you know, very involved with, you know, the rise of mobile telephony and digital uh, in, my, in my journey. Um, and understanding that, you know, the the user experience you're going to create um, should be absolutely phenomenal. And I worked with Nokia for many, many years. And of course, you know, broke my heart to watch the company keel over. But the reality is, is they didn't really understand design. They understood engineering, but they didn't understand design. And they weren't really understanding this whole idea around the customer experience. Where, whereas on the West Coast of America, you know, this guy called Steve Jobs absolutely understood um, you know, the customer experience and how critical it was. Um, and I know that, you know, the whole story around Steve and Apple is a very complex one, but nonetheless, they absolutely pioneered uh, an extraordinary company uh, that has, you know, more cash in the bank than the American government. And that to me demonstrates if you're really committed uh, to design um, in everything that you do, you will actually, I think, see your business succeed. And there's been a, a recent um, study um, by, um, by McKinsey, I think, um, that found that companies with the strongest commitment to design uh, and the most adept at the execution of design principles have 32% more revenue and 50% more total returns to shareholders. Gosh. Right? So to me, this is the whole this is the whole thing um and you you can't you know you've got to bring a kind of a real focus on is this the absolute best product that we can bring to the marketplace um that's a tough discipline isn't it that's a that's a very 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 disciplined approach and when i hear organizations who've done that and said well we just decided we would only do what we could be world class at and I think well my businesses aren't really like that so <laughs> we give ourselves get outs very easily mm. yeah yeah and I, I think to me that has always been um I mean this is a sort of default setting in myself and I think that I suppose in part you know that absolute commit you know I sort of think I suppose my view is if you're going to use resources and materials uh, in this world um, in whichever shape or form they are, 
then you really should put them into service to delivering something great. Um, and I suppose my mentors, and I suppose mentoring then becomes, you know, an important part of this is, but my mentors just gave me a bar and they set it. <laughs> and, you know, to me, my, my quest was, is I will try and do and bring everything into this world as, as best as I, as I can. And I think there's an art, there's a, there's maybe there's an artistry to that, you know, when you're, you're really wanting to bring the very, very best. Um, and I look at myself and I ask myself, is that my best work? Is that the best work that I can bring into this world? And I suppose when I work with my clients in a way, I bring that to them as well. And I ask them, is this the best work that you can bring into this world? Because um, ultimately it's back to that, you know, um, this, this understanding that purpose-led businesses you know, actually return more money to their shareholders, design-led businesses return more money to their shareholders, and actually beautiful businesses, you know, in my view, are the ultimate metric because it's a kind of combination of all of those sort of aspects uh, of what makes a business that then makes them, you know, loved and desirable. And surely we all want to be that. Mm. Um, so it sounds like um, beauty can be this, very helpfully integrated metric the problem with metrics being that they um they break things out into their component parts Mm -hmm. and ignore the relationships between things that's beauty beauty can sew sew them together and also hold our hand to the fire yeah i think so you know and perhaps keep us honest Mm. um and as i say i think that um you know i remember you know, uh, talking about uh, or witnessing the rise of digital uh, technology when I worked in Finland in the early 90s. And I could see that socially orientated communication technologies would be transformative to this world. And you saw lots and lots of businesses back then unwilling uh, nor were they interested in in addressing that that challenge coming down the road um, and today what I say is is that if you're you know I think all businesses will within the next 10 years will need to be looking at how they are restorative how they are regenerative um, how actually they you know use they they, they make better with less um, and they waste less um, and that actually they are delivering something completely different to uh, living and thriving on this planet. You know, as someone said to me, you can't do business on a dead planet, right? Mm-hmm. So um, this has got to change. And I feel that conviction as greatly as I did, you know, back in the late nineties, seeing that actually there was going to be a whole disruptive kind of wave uh, of innovation that would change every single business on on this planet in terms of how it did things mm. you know um and so i suppose in a way i feel then my my purpose is to help those that wish to go on that journey um to see that opportunity and that possibility rather than you know and to look at it going forwards as opposed to looking in the rearview mirror because it's too late um mm. you can't fix it you know um and of course, what happens is, is when companies get into crises, i.e., 
um, you know, you've had, you know, the fourth revenue fall, um, you know, in that quarter uh, and it's not looking good. You, what you've got then is you've got a demoralized C-suite. You've got a limited bank opportunities. Um, you know, your shareholders are getting, getting nervous and you've probably got an absolutely demoralized workforce. You know, that's a, that's a bad way to lead into the future. Mm. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Where, if we want to find out more about your work, where should we go online? Uh, it's just www.beautiful.business. Um, and um, that's the place where you can find my thoughts. There's a CEO guide to crafting a beautiful business. Um, there's interviews that I've done uh, with various um, people that I think are beautiful leaders and makers uh, from around the world. Um, and um, all sorts of other good stuff. Wonderful. Thank you, Alan, very much indeed for joining us today. Great. Thank you, Kerry. You've been listening to the One Fish, Two Fish uh, podcast series, Over the Horizon. I'm your host, Carrie Beddingfield, and you can find us at www.onefishcoms.co.uk. Many thanks. Thank you for listening to this One Fish podcast. I hope you found the conversation thought-provoking and perhaps it raised some questions or puzzles or thoughts for you about your business or organisation. If you hear anything in these podcasts that sparks your interest, tweet us at OneFishComs or you can even book a call straight into my diary if you think we should be talking. All the details, plus all the references to books, people, concepts or anything else we touched on are in the show notes below.